bowels of One Half Radio Plaza at Life Media Studios. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Real Country Radio. Congratulations, Detroit. You can be thoroughly ashamed of yourself. The homicide tool has reached a nice even 750. Details on the latest leveling from Police Sergeant... Coming up now, we're going to start off the set with... ...in the morning. Sightless Tigers could use this guy's talent. Have you had time to get ready? I don't waste any time getting ready. I stay ready. (laughs) Welcome, guys, to episode 101 for Sidetracked. Uh, This one's going to be a show that's perhaps a little bit different, and for a reason. Um, We kind of want to train you as an audience about what you can see here. Uh, Tracker pulling certainly is the core of what we do and what we're interested in and what we want to be about. But it doesn't mean that's all we're going to talk about all the time ever. Uh, This one's one where... We're going to go a bit off the rails. We're going to bring it back to that, but uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff uh, that that comes from outside that sort of world where we're trying to learn something and bring it sort of back home um, for what that is. It's a cruise show again tonight with uh, Ryan Rusick and Cody Vanderholm. Good evening, gentlemen. Howdy. How's it going? We are working on our first guest, and uh, that will be a coming soon, but it was important for us to – to get a show out uh, this week, particularly because next week there's a lot of travel going on for all of us and we really didn't feel like we could do a show, but um, there will be one coming hopefully soon. They will feature a guest. It's someone that uh, you're going to know who it is. It's someone who has been on sidetrack before and we're just going to leave it at that. Mm-hmm. It just feels right for, uh, I can't freaking wait. It feels I'm right so excited. I'm this, so pumped about this, this one. This guy be out there. I kind of want to start with some timely stuff. Um, I would say, like, uh, let's go to Hot Rod Drag Week to start before we get into some of the stuff that we were going to, you know, the deeper topics we we're going to go into. Um, that's it's the OG Drag and Drive. It's on right now. Um, they're uh, torturing themselves on the way home from the House of Hook back to Darlington Dragway at this hour for the final day tomorrow. And, uh, I don't know. There's there's a few surprises, I think, out of uh, what's going on uh, down in the Carolinas uh, this year with that event, uh, to my mind, anyway. Yeah, I would agree with that. Seems like we've got less of the really the stupid fast cars this year. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my thought as well. The stupid fast cars just aren't there. Um, Tom Bailey's leading it again because, of course, he is. But he's doing it with with OG six seconds. You know, the original Camaro. And really doesn't have anybody challenging him too much. Um, Ned Dunphy is there with his Viper. but um, and, and in terms of quickest individual run for the entire week, yeah, yesterday Ned was the quickest period at 640. But what you'll notice in the results sheets is that He's not credited with any of that because he doesn't have a license to go that fast. He's licensing the car as he goes through drag week. He's not the only one doing it. Oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't. So yeah. what does he, what can he get credit for then? He gets credit for 20 seconds at 50 miles an hour, which is the, the max out. Okay. So this is all just for 
for show, and I guess it's it's his driver's test. I didn't realize that he was doing that. Yeah, he was out of time to license with the car because it's such a new build, and the thing's gorgeous. It's a it's a tube frame car with an SMX Steve Morris SMX engine, twin turbo. It's a it's a pro mod, but it is a factory body dimension Viper. So there's nothing. It's not stretched. It's there's no pro mod weirdo body dimensions going on with it. It's a it's a factory body uh, Viper car, and he so he what his backstory is. Um, he's done well for himself, and he got hooked up with Vengeance Racing, which is a noted GM tuner, and said, hey, yep. challenge them, hey, you, you want to do a Viper uh, for, like, half mile and and uh, uh, standing mile and roll racing and whatever, and, and they built him a badass Viper. And so oh, this new car is amazing. Yeah, it's it's an amazing car, and it's fast. It's really fast, and not only that, it's a stick shift car. I don't know why my mic's cutting out. Yeah, you're kind of cutting in and out a little bit. Check, 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 check. Well, son of a bitch. All right. Hold that thought. While you're fixing that, <clears throat> uh, for those that don't know, walk us through, you know, how he's doing that as he goes, how he's actually making that. Um... Okay. I don't know what the hell is going on with that, but I just kicked it out of what I was using. I went back to old school. Uh, I did throw uh, a couple of pictures up it, of it in our uh, private chat. If you want to pop them up on the screen, it's a sexy car. <clears throat> huh, for whatever reason, that didn't come through to me. Mm. I've got options. Don't worry. Um, it's okay. In our in our group chat. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, not not. I went, here. I went Streamyard private chat. Sorry. Yeah, no, I I know what you're I know what you're thinking. But anyway, the interesting thing about the new car is that the way he's got it plated, he he plated it and called it the spare. <laughs> if you're gonna come nice. out with something that's the spare, you better make sure it's gonna be an ass kicker, and it is. And it is. <clears throat> I still think. Motor Trend just wrote an article uh, that they published uh, today uh, about the car that could win Drag Week, or that that what is it? The car that could we uh, could win Drag Week, but can't. And that must be the story because it does have to do with it being you know that he's not licensed for final result to to do that. Yeah, and it doesn't. Well, it winds up being academic because of what happened today. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He had a, he had a bad day. Yeah. He, uh, I, I haven't, I haven't found the video of it yet. Um, I will at some point, um, but I don't know what uh, the story is necessarily there with, um, what happened with the car, but, uh, he launched the intake manifold clear to the moon. Um, it's a billet two-piece design, and the top half went to the sky um, with whatever went wrong and, and ruined that carbon fiber hood along the way. There, he made a post, I guess, they were he was going to try to get um, from the house hook to Darlington at least to finish the weekend and, and you know, say he completed it, but you know, the car is not, not what it started the week as, I guess I'll say. Yeah. 
I presume he's gotten at this point by now he's gotten his license, correct? He's licensed properly. I don't I don't know because I don't know how many runs he had been through. There's a process for that um, whereby you have to go through so many planned shutoffs and step up to to full passes. And when he by the time he got to drag week, he's mm-hmm. making full passes already. Mm-hmm. So I think he was a little ways down the line. And for people who don't understand that part of drag racing, that's an NHRA thing. You're free to go. I, I don't know what the exact spec is. You're free to go up to a certain time limit, a certain speed without doing anything. But beyond a certain limit, you've got to prove that you can control a car capable of going that fast. And so there's there's the base, base level pro license, which gets you entry. Um, there's a top sportsman license that comes above that. There's top alcohol licenses that you have to earn. And then the nitro licenses are another level yet again. Um, I believe for like the pro level and maybe even the alcohol class licenses, once you get one, I think you're kind of just good forever. You proved you did it, so you can just get in one. Nitro license. Unless you have an accident. What's that? Unless you have an accident, like Stevie Fast did. He's got to recertify for medical reasons. Yes. Yeah, that was my point. Yeah, he, yeah, he's got to research. So if you have a bad, if you have a bad accident like he does, and put a hole in your head, and you know whatever, and you're out of the car for, you know, nine months or whatever it was, um, or whatever it is, because I I still don't think he's back. Um, uh, he is. He did drive at U.S. Nationals in a second car. So as of as of Labor Day weekend, he's he's back. Ah, okay, but not not full time yet. Um, but yeah, like the nitro licenses, they expire. Like even if you don't drive a car for three years, you got to go recertify. Yep, you got to go back to Frank Holly or you know wherever. Well, you can't even go to Frank Holly. You've got to go link up with a nitro team and then find two other drivers who will sign off on your card, saying, "Yeah, you didn't. You won't kill yourself." Doesn't Frank do that though? Doesn't he like facilitate that? He will certify you up through Top Alcohol Dragster and Top Alcohol Funny Car. He does not have the resources to certify for nitro, and why the hell would he? It's that's millions of dollars yeah, to run that's one of the stupid cars. money, and yeah. and to stay cutting edge and be about it. Yeah, it's yeah, that's a thing. Looks like if you uh, if you've got a dial in of nine ninety nine or faster, you have to have a NHRA competition license and membership. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's the same as having the license to run faster or no what? not exactly and i unfortunately like my brain is so trained to think of this stuff in terms of eighth mile because when it comes to odss like we're right we, we have to play by nhra licensing rules because we go to tracks that are nhra certified so um you pretty much if you're if you're a competitor you buy your competition license you're fine down to 670 but if you want to go 590 index and i think the cutoff is actually at 650 for the eighth mile so if you want to go 590, yeah, now you got to get your pro license. You've got to do the plan shutoffs. You've got to do the graduated runs. You've got to have a couple of drivers sign off on your card that you're, yeah, you're not, you're not a dang, you're not dangerous. You're doing what you're supposed to do, all that stuff. So um, th- there's pieces to it. Um, uh, even even last year at Indy uh, for Cletus and Cars, they you know they had up through top alcohol there for NHRA racing and Cletus Garrett himself, he didn't have a pro license. Mm-hmm. He had to earn that with uh, mullet 
to go as fast as that El Camino will go. And he, he was lucky. And, you know, well, if you're that much of a social media influencer, you can do this. He had Tony Stewart actually sign was one of the two people who signed off his card that he could drive. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Super cool. It's super cool. But I suppose uh, at that, at, at that <clears throat> level, you're going to, whoever signs off on your card is going to be pretty super cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine having Scotty Cannon sign off. I'm not sure that he can because I don't know if he has a current one. You may be right. Yeah. Although he's in the car now, isn't he? No, he's no, no he's his brother's in the car. Brother. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So needless to say, is make friends, not enemies, when you start out. Uh mm-hmm. Big time, yeah, and yeah, yeah, so yeah, he yeah he does not have a current license. I didn't I didn't think so because he's been out of the car for a long time at this point. Can we talk about Nick's Crier uh, milk milk wagon? I think yeah, that is cool. sweet. Oh, that is who now what the milk truck? Uh, I think I did see that. Yeah, that thing cool. is sweet. Oh, that'd be cool. I don't know how the world that got a chassis cert for that thing to go as fast as it did. Maybe it's just just slow enough that it doesn't need one, but it's it it hauls the milk. Three day literally. Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. Well, literally. <laughs> Three day average of ten six at one hundred twenty three point six eight. Like that's kind of booking it. Yeah. So hey, where's Clark? Uh, if you've got results up. Cody? Um, I will. He so I don't have um, I don't have today's results, but he was know. number two in class. Um, I don't have today. Okay, so for any here. of you guys who follow this or follow um, like <clears throat> half mile uh, in the you know top top speed you know runway racing, um, Clark Rosenstangle has a uh, as a generation. Uh, it's a Gen five. Yeah, it's a Gen five F body. Um, Steve Morris power and uh, he makes stupid amounts of power and uh, he's actually from my hometown. Um, he actually repaired uh, the first car that I wrecked uh, when I was in high school. My mom's Beretta. A Beretta. Which class did you say? Big he block is... power adder, I think. Oh, what? He's in modified power adder. You'll find him right here. Number two, and the guy he is trailing, um, Devin Vanderhoof, is in a Fox body convertible oh, God. Mustang. Yeah, he's not catching him. Flies. Yeah, guy's got your your like late eighties, early nineties white Mustang convertible with a black soft top, except that it's caged and it runs in the sevens. Yeah, I I don't know how in the hell. He's capable of going 201.16 miles an hour. That's and that damn thing doesn't fold itself up like a tent. It, yeah, yeah. But he does. Um, so, yeah, without, you know, today's results. So we talked about the licensing thing with Ned Dunphy. That's why you see here. So first day he was slow at 12.256. So fine, he was legal. But then the next couple days he's fast. And so he gets credit with a 20. Um, there's been some other guys, Jack Brooks and Ultimate Iron. You see the same thing going on. Alan yep. Whitaker with this Monte Carlo, he's another one who's licensing the car. Uh, it's another Steve Morris engine machine. It's a 
uh, 72 Monte Carlo. It is mint, and his his tire covers, his sunshades, are actually painted to mimic the tire and the paint job. It the car's immaculate. You could eat off of it. And nice. he's, a, he's he's a super cool guy, but uh, he's licensing as well. There's a notable diesels in in it running. Yeah, was, that's where I was coming. going next. Yeah. yeah. Um, the fastest of those is Jesse Harris with the C10, um, running nines, which in the quarter, that's not slow. Yeah. That's not slow. Yeah, it's a, it's your early 80s or late 70s, early 80s square body uh, with a Cummins swap that just absolutely hauls ass. Yeah. Uh, and some of you might remember this truck because it was stolen off of a trailer. Yes. Uh, probably three, four, five years ago. And yep. Everyone from you know Facebook to Instagram to Twitter to Jalopnik, everybody had you know that it, it was one of those posts that you know helped find this racer's race car uh, that went pretty viral, and uh, they uh, you know they actually ended up finding it. Yeah, he got it back. He's a super cool guy, real chill, fun guy to know. There's. Well, I, uh, I don't, I don't know if it if it got hit by a state truck. It could have been. I don't know. I don't know the history of that of that truck, other than the fact that it was. Yes, it did. It was yanked off the back of a off of a the back of a hauler. Yes, it did. It did get hit by a state trooper. Um, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but there's a whole story behind it. And I think thirteen twenty video did a pretty deep dive on the story of Jesse's truck and and how that all went down and how you know how it got stolen and. What it is, it's it's a come and swap 70 or 1980 um, C10, um, very well detailed truck. And Jesse's just the nicest person you'd ever want to meet. Um, gotten to know him, he's been on a few ODSS races, super cool dude. Speaking of uh 1320 ice cream cruises this weekend, yeah, so I plan on being there for some of it. We'll see what the weather does. Hopefully that four-letter word stays away because it'll be, uh, A, it's a hell of a lot cooler than it was last year because um, last year was like 110 with the heat index and 20 or whatever it was, but it was stupid. Yeah, but didn't they also hold it in July then? Yeah, it was it was earlier because it was uh, it would have been the same. It was the same weekend as McLeod last year. Yeah. So it was August, but uh, they pushed it back. and That'll make it a lot better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, we're, they're talking severe weather on Saturday afternoon, like tornadoes and large hail type of thing. So potential. So we hope that stays away because kind of excited, but, uh, but yeah, they'll do uh, be a lot of real nice cars and real, I mean, that's mm-hmm. part race and, and part lifestyle event and part car show. And, uh, yes. if yep. any of you guys are from around here out in the Midwest, it's, it's a big damn deal. Um, and, uh, you always get the nicest of the nice and it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it crosses genres. You'll have 800 horsepower Subarus. You'll have, you know, twin turbo Lambos. You'll have street racing Mustangs. You'll have, you know, 57 Chevys and you'll and have, there's going to be diesel trucks, even. There's gonna be yep. diesel trucks yeah. in it. I mean, yep. you're going to have everything. Yeah. The UCC competitor will be there. Uh, the crazy horse. Nathan. Yeah, Nathan Wheeler is going to yep, be exactly. Nathan Wheeler's in this, and uh, Joshua Cole, who's the the promoter of Texas Truck Jam, yeah. he's in this. 
Oh, I didn't know he promoted Texas Truck Jam. He's got yeah. that power stroke with a hood stack, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like navy blue? Yep. What you drinking there, Cody? Um, I don't know. One of the bottles out of the cabinet. Alcohol is a horrible <laughs> thing. It just erases memory. <laughs> you just don't even know what you're drinking. You're not an alcoholic if you don't go to the meetings. That's right. That's right. Yeah, high noons. <laughs> high noons. Mark's right. Um it's a margarita night, and uh, shout out to Allison Pepper for a very sweet Yeti. Oh, speaking, so that's there's a segue right there as well. Um, did get the lowdown tonight, I, or this afternoon. I did talk to Jeff Story, and with near passes retiring and, and what the lowdown was there with the sleds and where they're all moving. Um, Jeff bought near passes mini sled, and he bought the big class eight. Um, oh. That's so the, the class seven and the junior sled, which I don't even know what that is. I don't know. Class five, class four. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, it's a honey. I shrunk the sled sled. That's what that thing is. Yep. So it's um, like an, antique stuff for that. Then it's, that? it's great for antique stuff. We have, I've seen it stop a super farm. I mean, it will do that. Um, but it's kind of just an oddball for its size and versus capability. But anyway, so those two, I don't know where they're going. They may be going to Canada. I, I that was kind of the rumor, but um, the big class eight and the mini are staying here. Good. Good. Well, and if you're if you're a you know, if you're a small association or a decent sized association, you could buy your own sled, and not have to have it cost. You know, you got a couple hooks here and there, like you could spread that out and pick up a sled that would work for some of those antique stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot of antique clubs that do. Um, the more sophisticated transfer sleds, it gets a bit rarer. Uh, I think Thumb is kind of unique in that sense that they own their own sled, and I know it's a big – it's a money pit. Um, uh-huh. But on the other hand, that, that consistency that it offers, which has maybe more to do with the guy who's in the seat of it, um, <clears throat> Jim Storm, who I fucking love to work with, He's one of the best ever. Um, has a lot that has a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, Mick, I'm not sure which one was the one that was lettered up with the Lucas graphics. If it was the class eight or the class seven, I feel like that was the seven that is still for sale, not the class eight. But don't mm. hold me. Don't hold me to that. I'm not sure. Um, another thing, I guess, for the, the current, see, current news or whatever, um, something I, I got to bring up uh, for next weekend at Wagler Motorsports Park with that event. It's the finals for Outlaw Diesel Super Series. Um, and then Epic Pulling Productions has a sled pull on Saturday night. Um, there is going to be a live stream available for that. You, you're going to have to buy it. You're going to have to pay for it. It is through uh, beermoney.tv. They're the ones doing it. But uh, this will be the only race of the year for the diesel drag racing side where you can watch from home. Uh, we haven't had it for the prior five events. And uh, this deal came about uh, between the Beer Money crew and the Wagner Motorsports Park uh, team. And, and they put together a package to do this. So it, it's going to be available. You are going to get to watch it and see what we're doing. I'm, I'm excited for it because I think – with the weather conditions, we're going to break some records. We're going to be going fast. 
It's a chance. I hope so. To, it's going to be a chance for us to showcase what we're doing. Minimum two cameras on it. Um, for what you've seen on, I, I get through the outlaws stuff and, and anything else. Beer money's broadcast. They, they do a decent job. It's it's good. It's good quality. You know, it's not it's not somebody doing it with a cell phone. It's good. So that'll be there. Um, and and I'm I'm excited for that too to be able to blow the end of the year out uh, with a bang and share it for anybody who can't be there. So that's that's pretty sweet. Yeah, let's everybody start praying for good weather. Yeah, it's too, soon, horsepower, too soon. We to need know. horsepower weather, and we need and we need dry. <laughs> well, yeah. after the first four races of the year, where we had to finish on Sunday because of rain or whatever else, Mother Nature owes us. So, just saying. <laughs> Pretty sweet. I don't know if Mother Nature plays like that. It'd be nice, but I don't know. Yeah, if, well, I don't know if, if that's a thing or not. I, I don't know if she plays like that either, but it is what it is. I know she can be kind of a finicky bitch sometimes. <laughs> I know she wasn't right in uh, Bedford. Going to try to be nice, but yeah. Yeah, she was kind of finicky in uh, in Bedford, that's for sure. Mm, yeah, I just had a conversation about that. And the, the question I was asked, ironically, the question I was asked is, uh, what do they do for the, for the uh, scales? Do they clean the mud off every time? After it goes through, so it's accurate. I think Sounds like volunteer. in and of itself is a, is a is a very relative term. Yeah, but my guess is that yes, those have to get hosed off. Not between power, every power washed. Well, not between every single tractor or truck that goes across them is what my point. No, is. no, 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 no. That's what they were asking. They're like, and I said, I shoot, oh, I didn't, so after I didn't, five eighty five limited pro scaled the sixth guy suddenly weighs you know yeah 100 pounds high throw because, a couple weights throw a couple weights off but even though that, right yeah i see Which, i see where you're going there i never actually thought about that before about having to have that challenge or problem type of thing but i <laughs> i see it now but i never thought about it before about how much extra i mean the mud weighs a lot <laughs> you don't believe me go pick up a tire that's got mud packed in it and then uh then lift it and tell me that so. Well, theoretically, now theoretically, Mark brings up a good point here. I mean, they you, could. I mean, they have a tear button that, that zeroes the scale, and if yeah. there's fifty pounds of mud sitting on it, yeah, they like could. what Jared's saying here. But if that's done or not, type of thing, that's right. the other question. Uh, Mark and we don't know if it goes to a true zero because let's be honest, in the heat of the moment and trying to get through a show, <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. Right. No, when you get you get like an inch of rain the night before, a half inch that morning, and a half inch ten minutes before show, showtime, it was kind of a mess. So that's, that's a big reason why in a lot of rule books you'll see you won't see this at the national level, but in a lot of rule books you'll see that that one percent weight rule. You know, yeah. you you weigh out the back end as long as you're less than one percent over, fine. It's mud on your tractor, whatever. Fine, get out of here. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's talk. Um, let's talk Formula One. Hit it. Absolutely. Yeah. So this, the, where this comes from, this is from an article that uh, appeared on Jalopnik.com. Elizabeth Blackstock wrote it. This is a couple of weeks old now, and the crux of the the article has to do with 
the popularity rise in Formula One racing in the United States really since COVID, and it does tie direct a bit directly to, I don't think it's solely because of that, but a bit directly to the popularity of the YouTube series Drive to Survive, which if you haven't yep. watched it, it's an embedded series within within their TV show series, within the racing series. And it's a very good watch. I do suggest you watch it. It's it's good. It's good entertainment. It is. Can, can I say that on that note, it is one of the probably best produced shows yes. ever because it doesn't matter if you're not a fan at all. Like when you watch it, whoever that they're highlighting for that episode, like you're cheering for them. Yes. The entire, like it's like, I don't know, like I, you sit back and think about production and stuff and like they did a very good job. It is well worth the watch. If you haven't go find it, go tr do the trial of Netflix just to watch an episode or two. Cause it, it's, it's good. They make and Cody they, will hound make... you on this. You'd better do it. Yes. <laughs> like the last time I, he was over at my house, he asked me and I said no, and he hit me with a ruler. Yes. So, I mean, like, do it. <laughs> He's, uh, you still haven't done it, have you? No. Yeah. No. I but there's a TV right like over there yeah. somewhere. So I'll the next next time over there, I'll just like yeah, I'll hijack it. I still no, go I back actually, and watch old episodes. Like I've watched them all. I still go back and watch them. I mean, yeah. it's 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 good. Like it's just the way that they've gone in and like to to think of the planning of to get this shot and to know what they're doing the entire time. Like it just, I mean, and, and if you have a hard time like following like TV shows or like movies that like jump around, you what you really won't hear even though that's all they do because there's a different story of every every episode almost that they have to tell, but it might be, you know, six races into the season. The next episode might be the first race of the season. So like they'll jump around because it's a different storyline. It's just, it's very well produced and it just, it kind of blows my mind, the thought process and the planning and the production that went into that. So they do a great job of storytelling and, and making it interesting and finding finding the sub storylines that aren't at the front of the field to uh, to sell the sport to a broader audience that maybe didn't know. And they got lucky with COVID happening where people were suddenly home worldwide mm -hmm. with yeah. nothing to do but watch TV. And so the, it, it really caught a certain zeitgeist and the the parent organization behind formula one is liberty media it's an american company they bought the rights to it from bernie yeah. ecclestone and and this is this is in their wheelhouse to be able to do something like this and they've done a very very good job of it to create the entertainment and the show to create excitement particularly the american market and it's worked um the USGP has been in Austin, Texas, a fantastic facility, a gorgeous facility that someday I hope I get the chance to go to see a race at. They've expanded on that. We're through the second year now of the new Miami Grand Prix, and now this fall um, coming to Las Vegas Grand Prix. It's the first time in history that Formula One has raced three times in the same country outside of the COVID year when they were confined to Europe and had to out of necessity to keep the series going. Yeah. Um, yes, yes, there you go. Just, I was, you know, you have to capture this shit when it happens, and you know, well, we're, we're, you know we're operating on a certain plane around here, and we're going right. to just, I mean, I was going to ask you to create a, a, a zeitgeist counter and just put it up and like right up here in the, the top corner of your screen, but nah, 
when you fly at a certain, you know, altitude like we do on this show, you just reach for the ailerons and barrel roll right through that shit. <laughs> right. Yes, that. Or you sit and drink booze and you tell words and say truths. Or that. So yeah. the, the the point of this article, though, let's 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 bring the, bring it back to the, the central point, though. They've done a great job of selling the sport. A bunch of people are interested all of a sudden. Hey, this is awesome. Look at what's going on over in F1. We want to watch races. And uh, there were there were a couple things that I, I highlighted out of this article that I, I don't want to read the whole thing. I'm not going to. It's like three paragraphs. But um, a thing has happened because at the end of the day, it's not just a show. It is still a competition. Mm-hmm. There's rules written. There's a rule book. There's fights weekly. That's a central theme of, of Drive to Survive is fights about the damn cars. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have reached a situation where up until this past weekend, uh, at Singapore, prior to that, the week prior to that, Max Verstappen, the point leader, had won 10 races in a row, and Red Bull Racing had won every single race back like to the Singapore a race a year ago, mm-hmm. Yeah, which they lost this past weekend. It's a track that doesn't suit their car. But um, as it goes, the, the, the fandom has started to cool now. Because it's like, oh, this guy won again. Oh, this guy won again. Oh, this guy won again. And in real time, we've gotten to kind of see how an organization pivots and handles something like this. Um, it was said at an event hosted by Goldman Sachs, Motorsport.com reports, Liberty Media CEO Greg Maffey told the crowd, the challenge obviously is Max Verstappen is having an unbelievable year or record-setting year. F1 CEO Stefano Domenicali is rightly trying to pivot and say, come watch this historic event. You've never seen success like this. You don't want to miss it. We'll see if that works. No. Well, it did. It it could have up until this past weekend when uh, Carlos Sainz took it. Yeah. And and that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, to, to the, to the broader point, this, this next thing is it, as a new era of tech cemented Red Bull and Verstappen as a cut above the rest, though, F1 discovered a problem. It sold a lot of viewers the promise of entertainment more than it had prepared them for the realities of modern motorsport. Now fans are losing interest. And, uh, I, you know, it goes deeper to kind of look at what could they change. And I don't know that you, can, you, you can't. You can't. Yes, you can. Well, yeah, you can. Go ahead, you finish, can. Finish you your can, thought. Yeah, you can. All right, you can. You can do the NASCAR thing where you do the midseason rule change and you just fuck everybody up for the sake of parody. You can. Yes. And NASCAR is more than down that, grandstands because of it. It doesn't uh-huh. work. But they, they've already kind of done that a little bit. I mean, they put a cap on on the spinning limit of all that stuff. But that was all in the past. That was all right. before this happened. That already right. existed. Right. But I'm saying, that like, was, you can do some more. more to, that was almost more to. to Establish some sort of parity, right? And it to was. go and, and and to your exact point, Liz's Liz's main point in this whole argument is right here in this paragraph. Now, I'm not suggesting that F1 change tack. I don't want a series filled with gimmicks that serve as band aids slapped on a major wounds of a systemic issues. I don't think anyone really wants to see F1 regulated into being competitive. Other series have proved that that just doesn't work, and that's our point. There is a rule set there. That has to be honored and respected. If somebody built a better mousetrap, everybody else is going to have to go to work and, and find a way around that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so now what you've got to do in a subtext of this article 
is to go back to what the early years of of Drive to Survive were, where the Red Bulls and the Mercedeses didn't participate in the series. You had to go find those smaller stories and go tell those. Yep. So if you're the if you're the rights holder for the series and you're controlling the TV product and the social media and whatever gets out there, which is don't get me wrong, it's way better than what Bernie Ecclestone used to do, which was nothing. Yeah. No. You're going to have to go back to finding those stories and go find what's going on in the back of the paddock and tell those stories because, well, yeah, while Max is setting records up front, it is not as compelling maybe as the fight at the back, you know, that a back markers yeah. trying to, you know, earn their way and still keep their ride at the pinnacle of motorsport. You know, this week uh, an extension was granted to Oscar Piastri. It'll be fun to see at the Japanese Grand Prix. Do they talk that up and make that a thing? Do they talk about that and follow him through the course of the race and well, tell his story? Lawson would be a good one. I mean, because you're talking about a super young kid. He finished mid-pack this weekend. But, I mean, he was one of the ones that Max had to get around this weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just it's just one of those deals of, again, you like you said, you got to find the stories. But there's there's plenty of stories out there. There are. Yes. Russ, pop Russ's comment on the screen. Russ, you're watching. Explain yourself. Tell us why you can't stand it. I want to. I'm. I'm curious to your response. And I. And and no judgment whatsoever. No. Um, no. Not at all. Not at all. This, this is. is the, but I think this might speak to what changes I think that they could make. Um, I because I think there is a way to deal with this. Look, we've had we've had two three decades of. I mean, and this happens in, in F1. You get a team that just starts kicking ass and taking names and they don't yeah. stop. It started when you and when Charles, you and I were in freaking college with Schumacher. And well, it goes way back farther than that. Oh, I know it. Yeah. I know it does. I mean, we Ayrton Senna and you know, we can go there's, as far there's, back there's as been we entire want. To. Epics where you have dominance from Alfa Romeo, then Ferrari, right. then the Van right. Walls. Then comes Bradley, so, then Lotus, then we go back to Williams, then we go to McLaren. It just it just rotates yep. and rotates and rotates and it goes on for years. Right, but that's a thing. That's that's a thing with this motorsport. With with F one, we do have periods of dominance where somebody just, you know, Schumacher and Ferrari, you know, they yes. they dominated for years and years and years. First person to uh, one of the first people to unseat him was Lewis Hamilton, correct? Yes. Am I right yeah. there? Mm -hmm. uh, Hamilton um, is the only one to ever match match Schumacher in terms of total titles. And and <laughs> really before before he did that, um, Vettel didn't get the, the total number, but he's the only guy to ever win four on the trot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had I had so, a laugh when they did the driver interview and and uh, what's uh, 198 podium finishes for Lewis. And the young guys are like, "That's it," and he's like, "Yeah, uh huh." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're they're that's, asking that is if, hard. If he's they're asking if he's going to get to two hundred before the end of the season, and and you know the young guys are like, "That's it," and he's like, "How many do you got two? <laughs> yeah, that is Russ, hard. That's at this level. And Russ, that's totally fair. I get it. It's it's you know it's a whole different world. It is. And when you see the budgets, I mean, it, it makes absolutely no apologies for itself. It is the most expensive motorsport on the planet. Yes. Um, yeah. Even even with a salary or with a spending cap, 
Um, Mm -hmm. But I still think that there's a way for them to keep some of those viewers because as much as Drive to Survive was awesome, it kind of, and this was, this was kind of a roll of the dice being lucky that it happened um, when it did, but it came up in 2021 2021 we had the mother of all battles back and forth i mean it was legit you know a point here a point there um for you outlaw guys it was like steve bailey and cody yart fighting it out in the pro stock class it didn't get settled until uh sunday night sunday night sunday afternoon in spencer um and you know just the, the very same way um it was a battle to the very last corner of the very last race of the year in 2021 um, with uh, 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 Max Verstappen and uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton battling it out. Um, so you have this anomaly year where the, where the competition is, you know, wheel to wheel, head to head, you know, balls to the wall. Kind of like you see with, you know, you think of in the glory days of, of, Earnhardt and Petty, you know, for to put it in NASCAR terms. Um, but then you start going back to the the more normal where teams are dominating. And this year, Red Bull has just absolutely dominated. And so fans are like, well, screw this. I mean, I already know that Max Verstappen is going to win. You know, there's if I'm, you know, I'm betting, if I'm betting, I'm betting on Max. Um, so, but here's this, here's the side of that F1 isn't promoting and it, and to do it, they have to do, they have to go old school and they have to go um, back to the roots. You got to tell a story. You got to make this human because, and, and I talked about this last week. Um, you know, the reason that we cheer when we see a rookie, have that aha moment and they finally understand what it feels to light a multi-charger diesel super and get it down the track. And they start to, you know, they start to have a little success. They get it that first time they're excited. F1 doesn't do that. F1 doesn't talk about the, because I mean, at the end of the day, what we're talking about is either human accomplishment, excellence or failure. One or the other, there's no in between. And they're not doing that. They're just, you know, they, and, and it's because they're supposed to talk about race teams and yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, you know what, when, when the lights go out on the tower and, and, and the drivers take off, it's how many are in a field? 10, 15, how many? 20, 20. 20. there's 20, there's always 20. 20 people on the track. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you have the greatest pit crew in the world. A bad day for the driver can F that up. They can put it in the wall. They can do this. They can do that. Because at you know F one, the cars are so damn reliable. I mean, they 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 run more or less like Swiss watches. I mean, it's not like you've got you know. I mean, and and they should. They're spending a bajillions of dollars. You know metric f tons of dollars to make them work and uh they do and so now it becomes now there's more of that human there's more of that human element f1 doesn't stress that they don't talk about 
I, I Max think that, Verstappen do it again, or will he screw it up? I think that's there, Netflix's. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons it became so popular is because they're telling the story different than anybody else has. Bingo. Exactly. I mean, and, and there's a difference between a, a Drive to Survive fan right. and an F1 fan. Right. An F1 but, fan knows that knows what they're in for. They know that there are periods of dominance in the sport. Right. The Drive I, to Survive fan that was kind of the, the casual fan, so to speak, you know, they got hooked on a story because of some dude from, you know, wherever, BFE, who got a ride and he's trying to prove himself and a team where, you know, they, you know, one of the guys, the one of the tire changers, you know, emptied his wallet to get to that, you know, to get to the tryout to be on that team. You know, there's a lot at stake for those guys. Those well, guys are I, fighting for 12th place. I think like there's a, speaking, but there's a story there and there, you know, people root for that kind of shit. Right. And like this weekend, you've got, you've got really kind of a couple stories of you got Max that didn't, didn't make uh number three qualifying for ever. Uh, you've got George Russell who put it in the wall on the very last lap, trying to pass Lando Norris and Carlo saints um you know and then you've got carlos that actually slowed down to give uh lando drs so he could stay in front of um russell and hamilton so you have like a lot of stories that to be told that they're not doing and that's you know right but how many of those stories are going to grab the attention of billy bob f1 fan well, there's ways when when, com when compared to the stories about the guy who is just trying to save his ass and and race a race car. Well, it's, it's you know that I mean it's that it's the stuff that tugs on the heartstrings that gets people, and it and and that's why F uh, Drive to Survive was so popular, and it, and just like we're doing tonight, it trained its fans. Fans don't care about who's running up top there. Uh, you know, the, the, or the drive to survive fans, they don't necessarily care who's running up top. They care about, you know, who is trying to, you know, make a name for themselves. Who is that rookie or who is that person who, you know, has never done this, you know, before, so to speak. And I'd, I'd argue against on that one, to be honest, because well, I of think course I, you would, because you're foolish. Because I think, I think that like that, that brought some people to the sport that probably didn't watch it before and have a vested interest. It doesn't, you know, they don't have necessarily a particular team that they're maybe cheering for because they've seen a whole bunch of different angles type thing. And I know like they're going to like, okay, you look at the Red Bull team. We know who the protagonist is and the, or the, you know, the protagonist, the antagonist and all those episodes from the last couple of seasons are. So, but I just think that like they've, I think they care who's at the top because they're wanting to watch it. And yeah, Max has won, but like, again, there's going to be dominance and there's, he's a hell of a driver. I mean, it, it, it's no different than uh, Doug Meisinger with Scrappy winning every single hook he hooked at last year. They're still going to yeah. watch it. They're still going to cheer for him. Right. But when drive to survive sorry charles keep go ahead. going keep going i'm just i'm piling more onto this brand <laughs> coming oh shit here we go when drive to survive started none of the big teams would let him in right right like you didn't have the max verstappen you didn't have lewis hamilton 
they had to concentrate on the smaller teams, mm-hmm. you know, the teams that weren't fighting for that top spot. And because of that, it kind of trained that audience to expect that and to root for that guy. And as time went on and Max and Red Bull started to, uh, and who's the other guy? Is Perez? No. Checo. Sergio Ooh. Perez. Checo. Yeah. Okay. Um, but as, as Red Bull just started, you know, turning people up and spitting them out and creating the, the machine that is, you know, that has won every race but one this year, you know, after the first three or four and after three in a row from, from Max, you know, the casual fans like, yeah, great. That guy, that guy kicks ass and takes names. Awesome. Well, part of it's because he's 20 seconds ahead of everybody tells two in all the races. Exactly. And that gets, that stuff gets old. You know, I mean, the, the, the photo in the headline of that, of that article is a guy holding a cardboard sign that, that says, uh, can anybody else win or what, what is it? Hang on. I'm going to please, please Max stop winning. Is that what it was? Yeah. Please Max stop winning. Yes. Please stop winning. You know damn well he's not going to do that. Um, but it's I think that to a point, you know, after you see him, after you see him win, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, in a row, it's like, can we please have somebody new on the podium? Maybe. Okay, thanks. Bye. You know, and they don't, and and they start not watching because they already know the outcome. I just pictured him. I just pictured him as in like Talladega, Talladega Nights when he's the Italian dude with the coffee as he's driving down the track. Oh Lord! <laughs> <laughs> but Max is an Italian. No, but that's that's what I picture. Max is yes, like. Yes, <laughs> I know. I know. But right. yeah, you tag, want... tag in, tag in, Charles. Go ahead. I will shut up now. The world of F one, to Russell's point, does come off as very corporate and snobby. Everybody is uh, marketed to the hilt. There's press releases everywhere. Everybody is in the exact same lockstep uniforms, perfectly pressed shirts and pants. Everyone is uh, 160 pounds and does calisthenics for fun and says all the right things at all times. What Drive to Survive did was introduce the fact that there is a real world of racing and competitiveness underneath that motorsport where guys do say... The word fuck a lot. They get <laughs> after each other. There's a chippiness there. One of the best lines of last year's racing series was a human moment between two team principals where Total Wolf is being very, very German and very Teutonic and very representative of Mercedes, a global automaker saying we can't figure out how to stop the porpoising of the race card. We don't know what to do and it's not fair and we're losing. And Christian Horner who represents a soft drink company that builds a better car, looks at them and says, change your car then. That was fighting words. Yep. That's the cool shit that needs to be seen in F1, and it goes on in all kinds of motorsports. you got to humanize these people and bring the personalities out. Mm-hmm. And that's and what there that's we go, not being more so than any other coverage of F1 has ever done. And if you haven't watched it, I understand why you think F1 is so corporate mm-hmm. and stuffy. You've never seen these guys be a little petulant bitch once in a while because they are. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Don't flip a knife on the show anymore. 
if we ever get to the point where we monetize and we can actually start paying for gas and our time and you do that shit, we won't get monetized anymore because we'll be seen as violent. Wait till I bring out the guns. They're in the safe right there. Right, right. <laughs> the cordless hole punchers, we should leave them alone too. Yeah. Yeah. Cordless so, Potter actuated <laughs> leather punch. <laughs> okay, so let's bring this back around. Um, how do we, as as people in the media or people... Or, or promoters. I know there's somebody in here probably who's promoted something. Um, <laughs> sorry, I saw Russell's comment and it derailed me. Power to the chubby guys. Bad people are harder to kidnap. We are not movable weight, but that's okay. No, it, it doesn't even have to do with ballots. It has to do with the arrow. <laughs> <laughs> 1066s have no arrow whatsoever. There is no arrow package. Um, circling this back around, how do we as media and or promoters, how do we put some of these lessons that F1 is having to learn and our smart ass opinions into play here when we're promoting shows or we're talking about what's going on in the sport? Um, my contention is that we keep making it about the you know, about the driver and about the human, the, the excellence or the failure. Um, and, you know, we put it in those terms, you know, if you didn't win, you did fail in a matter of speaking. Now, the fact that we have, I mean, the, we know all these people. We, I mean, most of us know a lot of these drivers um, and, you know, you kind of, hesitate maybe to put the human failure spin on it because then it puts so much more pressure on the guy in the seat or the girl in the seat. But my point is, I think if we make it more about the drivers and the storylines and less about the Sunday, 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 you know, we'll sell you the whole seat. You'll only need the front half. You know, and, and and that BS about, you know, competition and yada, yada, yada. Let's find out. Let's actually do the digging and do the homework. If you're a promoter, figure out in the classes that you've got, ask, what's the storyline here? If you don't know already, you know, if it's like pros and, and, and Matt Smith is kicking everybody's ass with a blue tractor. And you know he's coming to town. Is there anybody who has anything for Matt? Or is his brother going to step up and, and you know, knock him down a peg or stuff like that? And you, you sell it that way. Because if there's human failure or human achievement involved, we can all relate to that. Because we all know when we've had a bad day and we've screwed the pooch. Um, yeah. We also know what it was like and what it felt like on our best day when we kicked ass and took names, you know, whether that's in our work or whether that's in a pulling tractor or on a, on a racing track or whatever. I think there's some lessons that can be learned there. What do you guys think? No, I totally agree. And I, th I think, um, I think it behooves some of us who are quote unquote media and announcers and whatever else within this war too. We can't be just willing to shove the microphone in the face of the guy who did well. 
we've got to be willing to shove it in the face of the guy who didn't and capture that mm-hmm. raw emotion as well and understand that it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be fun to do for either of us. Um, and expect that as a competitor that maybe you are going to be put on the spot. I'm not going to phrase it quite as direct as this, but you may see me approach your window or your roll cage and say, man, you, you know, in a matter of saying, you suck tonight. What happened? What happened? And if it don't, don't, don't necessarily always be the gentleman say, well, we, I just missed it. Whatever this, that you No, I want a real moment from you. Are you pissed? I want to know. Like, don't tell me that you missed the setup. Don't be the damn robot that is beholden to whatever's on the side shields of your competition vehicle. And I honestly think if more of you did this, more of you would get that big name on the side of your role, your uh, side shields or the side of your cab as well by being a real person and not just being this vague freaking automaton that can recite the corporate lingo that everybody else also can, can say, you know, I, I want you to come up there and say, yeah, Brett Bird winked at me. That son of a bitch threw me off. I, <laughs> I watched that damn real podcast thing. with those three assholes. Two of them from Iowa. <laughs> one of them from Michigan. And I, they got in my head. That's okay. Yeah. You can say that. We got broad shoulders. Yeah, you know. and, I, and I'm not. And you know what? If I ask you a question that's uncomfortable and you unleash at me, I'm not going to take it personal. I'm not. Oh. I'm the one who put you on the spot. I knew it was coming. That's that's all right. And and I guarantee you, half an hour later, we're going to be like, I'm going to I'm going to come find you and be like, dude, I'm not only not pissed. That was awesome. Thank you. And then you're going to hug it out, and we're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, but drivers, you can help in all of this. Competitors, you can help in all of this. Don't be afraid to be who you are. Yeah. Maybe try and curtail the F-bombs because none of this runs on a tape delay. But, you know, be who you are. If you had a bad night, say so. If you're pissed about it, say so. You know, I mean, within reason. You know, don't, don't you know, throw your helmet and, you know, cause a scene and do all that. Save that for, no, you no know, when you're back towards the hall. Rates, but, but, I mean, but you can make it known. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? To Brittany's point, you know, that some of that with, with rivalries and stuff like that. Awesome. You know, it's because true personalities get out there. I mean, I know what happened with the Wayman Kincaid thing that happened a, a year ago next weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, Wayman, Wayman ran his mouth. Like like Wayman does, and I love Jason Wayman. I'm not bagging on him in the slightest. No, and I know why he did it. Mm-hmm. I know why he did it because he knows that a little bit of good natured, you know, shit talk, um, you know, calling out stuff like that, putting some money on the hood, good for business. I can't tell you. I was there that night when when. You know, Jason and, and Adam duked it out after that 3-0 class. And I can't tell you how many people texted me. I think it was probably five or six people, which, is, no, it's not a huge number. It's not like 40 people asked. But five or six people who did not pull in the 3-0 class had never pulled a truck. They were cage crawlers. You know, they were they were 4-1 pullers. Um, and they asked me. 
Where's the live stream? Is anybody going to go live for this, for the showdown between Wayman and Kincaid? Mm-hmm. Um, and where can I find the results? Who won? Who won? Who won? Um, matter of fact, the guy who did it the most, he blew up my phone the whole damn night, Seth Novak. Yeah. Seth Novak's never pulled a truck in competition. He's a 4430 guy, 4440 guy um, with a 4 1. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to know. He didn't have any vested interest in it. He just, I mean, he knew the guys casually. Maybe had a beer with them or a shot at some point in time. You know, I mean, Wayman pulled with Outlaws and, and Seth pulled a little bit with the PPO West. But, you know, that kind of stuff where the true personality shows up and we create maybe some of those rivalries, that's good. It well, gets the- butts and seats. And, and to that effect is, you know, if you're a promoter and you're saying, hey, I $5,000 purse to win, why not, you know, talk about the guys that are, you know, don't just put on the flyer or just put a Facebook post, talk about the guys that are coming to compete for that $5,000. If you got guys telling you, like, again, goes back to the same thing that, that uh, Wayman did is, I mean, he, yep. he advertised it and then you've got a lot of people asking. That's a way yep. to get people in the seats. It's a way to tell a story. Is don't just try to get the pullers there with the five thousand dollar payout. Sell it to the fans. Talk to the fans and tell them, you know, who's all coming to win the five thousand dollar purse or whatever the purse is, you know. But you know, do that. And I, I get there's a lot of there's a lot of shit that happens leading up to a poll to try and find those stories. But that's where asking other people for help comes into play. No, don't do that. The promoter of the Epic Pulling Series is watching tonight. She's going to text all of us. And if she doesn't have your number, Cody, I'm going to give it to her. Everything we have said so far on this subject, though, has been a pushback and a push down on the media, on the promoters, and the competitors for what they can do. They're not even remotely the biggest part or the biggest influencers of what happens with any motorsport that is the fans. And so that brings me to story number two. This, um, this was published nine days ago by Mark Glenn Denning at racer.com. And the crux of the story, the, the specifics of the story are meaningless. What it has to do with is fan reaction to anything that has to do with motorsports. And it's a commentary on social media and the way things behave right now. And it boils down to simply this paragraph. Anyway, this particular story followed that pattern. IndyCar announced something. Lots of people in racers' comments section were outraged. Somewhere in the thread, someone noted the direction the vibe was taking, to which somebody else responded that, quote, IndyCar fans could find the poop in a field full of kittens and unicorns. It doesn't matter how great this story, how awesome it is, whether it's tractor pulling, drag racing, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, underwater poodle punting. There's an entire cottage me, industry what? of being the smart ass son of a bitch in the in the rule in the comments who says the funny thing and you're a dick. Okay, yes. you're you said a funny thing and you're a dick because I I said I didn't hear it. What was underwater what? Underwater poodle punting. <laughs> Holy it's, shit, that's a thing? It's it's gonna be an Olympic sport next time around, I think. It's like underwater basket waving. <laughs> Except that there's violence. Here we That's go. Awesome. Here we go. 
Hey, I didn't say uh, he didn't say it was underwater poodle shooting. You know, nobody nobody brought up. It's only a shame when they say "arf" while still submerged and lose their breath. You are a horrible individual. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta reload. I'll be back. I was waiting for you to say something about a cordless hole puncher, underwater cordless hole puncher. But no, seriously, it, it does boil down to this this whole thing about the, the just the the rampant sarcasm in society. And don't get me wrong, I but, speak sarcasm fluently, and I will laugh I really hard and properly deployed. But I think but, I think you have that with every every sport, everything in general. I just think that's that's like a social norm now. It, I mean, but there's it a reason. There's, it sucks. Oh, I know. We know that. We all know that. But I'm saying, like, there's a reason forums. Go over so well because someone has some side of opinion that's going to piss somebody off. But when you, I mean, there's a reason pull off. It's like, well, that's going to piss off pull off. How many times have we heard that? It's going to happen, yeah. and and there's always going to be someone that's going to have you know the devil comment about something, and it just, you know, I don't know. It's pull frustrating. Actually didn't pull off? Actually, I I got to compliment the pull off community. They didn't get pissed about an occurrence at Enderley. In fact, it never even came up. I was really impressed. There we go. We draw attention to it. It's going to happen now. <laughs> yeah, now it's going to happen. Yeah, now, now what there is going to be pissed about. Nice work. But I'm just like, it's it's like the social norm, you know. And I remember we talked about like a Sue Happy culture and all this stuff. Of I just listened to Joe Rogan's podcast of um, – on the way back from Arkansas uh, today, tonight actually, and, and he was uh, Oliver Anthony, and they're talking about different things and like what's the social norm and, and some of the different stuff that's like what people latch onto of it doesn't matter doesn't matter what your intent was is people are going to attach to one certain thing or the other, and then interpret stuff differently, and then they're going to make it known. So they are, but I guess I guess I'm I'm going really base with this. If you are more inclined to click the laugh emoji on a sarcastic comment than you are to click the like emoji on something that is properly supportive for somebody, you're an asshole. Yeah. And I don't I like I don't want you a part of my motorsport if that's how you would behave. Like mm-hmm. I get I get it. I, I I'm good with sarcasm. I speak it very fluently, like I said. But if that is your tendency, get out. I don't want you there. You're you are now part of the problem. Wait, if you're the if you speak sarcastic, do the plan shutoffs. You got to do the. Hold on, sorry, I hit a button. You can you can speak you can speak the sarcasm, but if your sole pleasure is derived from engaging with the sarcasm and not with the positive, then you're the person at the cars and coffee. I hope the Mustang hits. (laughs) (laughs) Well played, sir. Because you're the fucker who's sitting there with the phone out, out, waiting for it to hit somebody else anyway. Why might as well be you. Right. Jesus. I don't think Jesus would drive a Mustang into a crowd of people and do a burnout. Jesus probably wouldn't drive a Mustang, period. He would do burnouts, but he wouldn't drive it into people. Yeah. So, uh, what was the um, Enderly thing that Nobody got butthurt about. Oh, we had a super stock pickup and a light pro go off the, the starting line side by side. 
Oh. OMG, drag racing. Yeah. Oh, it's dangerous. <laughs> They're going to hit each other. We're all going to die. A tire is going to fly off and kill 47 people in the crowd. Oh, the humanity. Can, can that bring right. up another question about these? The, I know we've talked about it before, but like the wheel tethers. No, you can't. Oh, we only take God. questions about wheel tethers on Fridays. Yeah, but like wheel tethers, like bring it back to four. <laughs> when, when George Russell hit, you know, and some of them guys hit the wall and the wheel, like, oh, yeah, there's a wheel tether and it still hit it off. It's like, is that not going to happen in pulling? Like, is this just an added cost it's going to take to pull and it doesn't actually help stuff? Like, I don't know. Somebody smarter than me can probably answer that question, but it's just, I feel like it's one of those things of everyone thinks that we have to have it and, or not everyone, but a lot of people think we have to have it when it's just going to be an added cost and it's not actually going to help things. Because how much like you said, F1 has cost. I couldn't, I couldn't even begin to speculate what the I, cost I have is. No idea. I, and I don't, the problem I see with them is the designs that I see proposed and I'm far from a, you know, a successful engineer or anything like that. Obviously that's not what I do for a living, but most of the designs I see proposed for them don't address the root problem because the failures when a tire comes off, it's not just the, the, the lugs breaking or the hub failing. It's the entire damn spindle goes loose mm -hmm. and these systems yeah. aren't designed to retain that. No. But, but again, it's it it if they slow it down enough. Well, I mean, what what are we slowing down then? Are we like we back to heavy drag sleds that only go 15 miles an hour? I mean, what, what do you mean by slow down? Yes, we should have those. No, like, I mean, if if a wheel tether doesn't stop it, you're talking about. Yeah, like down 50% of the momentum versus 100% of the momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if that happens and it saves a track official or one of our sorry asses who's halfway down the track when it comes off, it comes after us. Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> Georgia. Shout out to whoever it was that uh, grabbed our camera bags and got them out of the way. Um. He's from Colorado, the flight. Daniel. Daniel, the flight. Yes. Yep. Shout out to Daniel. You're a good dude, yep. and I owe you a beer. Um, is it worth it? Or do we do what Jeremy did, uh, Jeremy said, and design better nine bolts? Oh. Better hubs. Well, it's not, it's, I don't think it's the hubs that usually, like Charles said, I think it's the spindle. It's not, it's not so much you know nine bolt that to me I'm thinking and Jeremy correct me if I'm wrong you have, you're going probably down the road towards rear rears those don't well, fail super often they do I think it's more the you know, people are worried about the front tire flying yeah so that's usually one that has the fastest movement on a tractor at least it has the fastest movement the rear one just has a lot of momentum behind it. And then, you know what? That's an interesting point. So let's, you know, and Jeremy's watching and he understands engineering and physics way better than I do. So he's going to probably tear me up for this one. But when we talk about speed of movement, um, within a pulling tractor's travel down the track, let's say, 
the rear tire may be turning at 42 miles an hour. The vehicle itself is moving at a ground speed of maybe 10 miles an hour. But what breaks the front tire off is the down slap. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that mile yep. per hour is, but the force imparted upon it is tremendous. And it now sends it that thing off like a pogo. You know, like a pogo against, hits air pressure and bing, it's off like yep. a missile. Yep. So I guess that you know, like speed's the wrong way to necessarily think about this. It, it has to do more with with forces in their direction of, of being applied. Let's get Nathan Bay on here. He's a he's an engineering Yo, student. God, he yeah, could, and he's, he could yeah, he, he could talk to that stuff. But that but, hey, will you come and nerd with us, please? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like but, the rose ceremony in The Bachelor. Will you accept I, this nerd request? I, to me, like the the biggest tire coming off is is from an impact standpoint is the front tire. It's not a back tire because it's happening. Like the back tire comes off and it just it kind of just like rolls and keeps rolling. It's got a lot of mass, but it doesn't have a lot of forward movement. That's at a high rate of speed. It's the front tire at a high rate of speed that people <laughs> got to get out of the way. And that's, Cody, you weren't there to see Alan Cook shed a wheel at the the uh, inaugural light super class at uh, the farm show. No, I mean it does. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It does, but um, like a planetary style tractor, there's a lot of shit that holds that back. And even some of the modern yeah. super farm designs, where they have the the top hat brake rotor in there. The brake itself is still holding that wheel back to the tractor. It, you're going to have to brake a lot of shit to get that wheel to come away from the tractor. Um, yep. I just feel like the evolution of design has progressed to a point where on the back tires, we're mandating a solution to, to a problem that maybe doesn't exist. Yeah. Maybe. Hey, there's some comments. We should... Uh, uh... No, Ray, it was not the camera guy. It was that lady who was sitting there in front in that that area right at the end of the track. And uh, I remember, if God, I remember the look on her face. It was this look of dumb ways to die because she thought that she was honestly going to. And thank God for that safety rail that, that stopped it because it had that tire hit another, I don't know, five, six inches higher, it wouldn't have bounced backwards and down. It would have probably rocketed forward and homegirl wasn't getting out of the way of that. That was gonna that was gonna hurt her. So I mean, yeah, I'm I'm glad that it didn't happen, but I still remember that. And somewhere somebody got a, a, a camera shot. I don't know what it I don't know who got the shot, but she had this look on her face like, yep, this is how I'm going to die by a tractor tire. I'm, I'm going to disagree. Tire. Jeremy, I'm going to disagree with you on this one. Every time I've seen a rear tire come off, they always go straight into no man's land where no one's supposed to be anyway, ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the front tires that are the ones that go ballistic and you just, you don't know where the hell they're going. No idea. They go boing, 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 boing. Yeah. 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 Uh, in other news, uh, today, did you see uh, Honda announce a rebrand? Yeah, they're going to merge with HRC, the global brand. Yes, HPD yep. and HRC will be one. Yeah, I'm curious what that's going to mean for their facilities in uh, the northern suburbs of Los Angeles County. You know, if, if it means a relocation for a bunch of people, there's a there's a nexus of uh, 
engineering knowledge between automotive OEMs, aftermarket, and the aerospace industry at the very far north end of uh, Los Angeles County there. And, um, you know, kind of I pay attention to this because for secretly a little bit selfish reasons, well, not going to be secret anymore in a second, kind of was wondering if that was going to be a place where for, for work, my daughter was going to end up. And I'm like thinking I could, I could have, I could have a retirement house in a place like this with that much cool shit being around. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought you were going to say you could, you could drive a Honda. <laughs> I'll drive. I, I'm, I'm toying with the idea of what's next after the GTI. Trust me. Like, a, you know, yeah. whether it be a, a civic type R or an Integra type S, you, you bet both of those are on the list. A hundred percent. And you know what? Driving them down Mulholland Drive or up in the canyons. I get out of my way. Big Tahunga, <laughs> Big Tahunga Road. Oh yeah. Let's uh I'm I'm a hundred percent in favor of that. I yeah. will come visit when you retire. Absolutely. You you have yeah. you will the, the spare bedroom will have your name above the door. <laughs> Make that two spare bedrooms. <laughs> if you're gonna have a house you, down there, you might as well have a couple spare prices? bedrooms. Huh? The spare bedroom is going to be like the size of a freaking postage stamp because you know to have two spare bedrooms it costs like seven million dollars. Well, that's okay. If we're driving canyon roads, we're not going to spend any time in them anyway. Well, I'm just right. saying if it's going to be the size of a postage stamp, you don't fit anyhow. So, just saying, <laughs> <laughs> folks, this is why you watch them. The yes. witty banter and repartee. Yeah, They're going to fuck with each other, and it's going to get worse as it goes. Hundred percent. Um, you want to hit on those other two articles? Well, we're I already hit. I already we're in, two. We're two, in an hour two of them. We got we got one more, and it's. I mean, we can save it because we're past our time commitment. If we want to, it's just a dumb, silly story. It's kind of fun, and I got a couple other things that were fun anyway. Um, we can do it or not; don't matter. On the fly no, programming decisions. We, we should do this for this. We we should do the one about um, illegal sunshine. Okay, we will do the story about illegal sunshine. Yes, uh, this story comes from Rafael Orlov uh, at Road and Track two days ago. The uh, DTM, it's the uh, German Touring Car Series. Um, to to quantify what that is, think German NASCAR. In essence, so they talk like this. Yes. Yes, they uh, don't do ovals, but it's a road course series. It's you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a sedan door door car road racing series. And for that series, um, the electric heat blankets for tires are are banned, and that's not that's not unusual for that series. Uh, here in the U.S. for IndyCar, it's not legal for for there either. But common sense guys started thinking that you know there's other ways to heat those tires up. Um, before it's time to go racing, namely leave them out in the sunshine on a tire rack or cram them under a black tarp in the pit area. And then once you're out on the grid, just real quick, go and change them. And uh, one team picked up on this and bitched to the motorsport governing body for DTM, which led to them issuing a clarification for what has to be the dumbest thing in the history of all racing, saying that uh, you must protect your tires from sunshine at all times, with the exception of wheeling tires out onto the grid. The series notes that teams are therefore obliged to make every effort to avoid this situation. So there you have it. 
Yeah. You can't put your tires in the sun. No. Nope. Can't leave them by the door with the door open. Nope. Can't put them on a rack outside. No tenting them out in the pit area. Nothing. Nope. So and, can't do any of that. And to that, I would say um, to the, uh, let's see, who was it that complained about this? I don't remember if it says in the article here. Uh, yeah, it does. The racing team abt, ABT, by a vowel. If you're that slow, Christian Horner's comment from earlier in the F1 part, change your car because obviously if you're worried about this, you're really think, not worried about how to make your shit faster. I think right. there is a, I think there's another word in that phrase. <laughs> I believe it was change your fucking car. Yeah, in, 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 in the that, accent in the right. accent that he said that he's got. And now it's officially a Don Salama approved show. Late, it's like change official. your fucking car. Yes, exactly. And if I could say it in a British accent or whatever the hell it is, I would do that. But the Germans, whatever. But that's. And I make the single fast. But my so my question is like we talk about tires. Those do they ever cure tires in motorsports? Like, do they ever buy a set of tires and leave them sit for a couple months to cure no, them? No, they don't want them hard. They want them to no. be soft. In fact, they treat them to be soft. Yeah, I mean, get, not in to be every, into the world of every dirt track racing, but uh, right. soaking in tires. Every... Google soaking tires. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. That's a thing. That's a hundred percent a thing. That, I mean, the only motorsport in the world, as far as I'm aware of, is uh, uh, pulling that wants their tires hard, hard. and crusty yeah. and yada yada yada. Yep. Everybody else, I'm, let's make them freaking bubble gum. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't. I would beg to differ. I would. I Go would say. Beg. Yeah, I I would say that you talk about uh, uh, like desert racing. You want to talk about uh, those trucks? I bet they cure. I bet they would cure tires. Baja One Thousand. I don't want soft tires. I want hard tires for everything that I'm jumping over and hitting. I want hard tires. I don't want to. I don't want to replace a tire because it's soft rubber. You want a hard carcass, but you still want the softness of adhesion and friction. Mm -hmm. I think it'll. I think it'll get plenty hot once I start. <laughs> Robbie Woods will be a future guest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we will ask him. That's mm -hmm. actually well. That's actually one world where, like, I, I have this much knowledge about it. Like, I'm, I, well, and I don't live out there, so of course I wouldn't. But yeah, the desert racing thing—that's that's some voodoo stuff to me. I yes. I've always said that, like, I've wanted to race the ball that one thousand so often, and like most, like, what would you, you guys race it in? What class would you race it? I don't even care. I mean, oh, it, it could be a side-by-side -side class, and I wouldn't care. Like, you guys know this, but, like, I went to Coos Bay, Oregon, or was going to go to Coos Bay, Oregon, a racing school, because have you ever seen anybody that's been in racing that has a bad look on their face unless they crashed? No. It's a hap – like – Yeah, they're I mean, super chill. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I would uh – -huh. That would be yeah. – That would be, like, a dream job of, like, going out there and just racing every single day, like – Horsepower puts a smile on your face, and it would be fun. But where were you, you going? Of, Dirtfish? Me? 
No, Cuse Bay, Oregon was out. Uh, so you start out like it was a, a five day class, and uh, I was, gosh, I was like eighteen at the time, and I was going to fly into Cuse Bay, Oregon, and the instructor's like, "If you fly out here from Iowa, I'll personally pick you up from the airport and bring you to the track every day." And you start out with a, it was like a, it was like a late model Camaro, and you went to a Corvette. Uh, c5 and then the corvette z06 as the, like the top one and then you uh and you did it on dirt no it was it was concrete but on the last day all the companies came in and basically it was like it was like a job fair and they came in and they would be like hire okay, you okay so it'd be everything from i mean uh like motor trend would come in like you'd go to um you you'd go drive cars and, and write you know an article about motor trend the new car and you know you would do um baja racing you do like all these different companies came in and like hired based off of their performance and how you did and i was like that would be cool and i was i i didn't do it but i i looking back that's one of the things i wish i would have changed because that would have been that would have been a blast so could have met could have met my hero kim block or been, you could have changed awesome. nothing and you could fly sketchy walmarts with a drone at night that's true yeah, or like to answer your question, Ryan. Thing. If I'm if, if I'm doing the Baja 1000, give me give me a fucking trophy truck. Let's go. That would be cool. I 100. I, I would 100 agree with you there. I, I guess that I don't. Be, I don't that know that I'm ripping good time. I'll do a trophy truck. I don't know if I do the Beetle, but like a side by side too. Yeah, that'd be all right. I'll Ooh. tell you one thing. I would not do for a thousand miles through the desert. Not well. I wouldn't do it anyway because I've never been on one and I don't care to be motorcycle hard no those are those guys are different yeah yeah i would i would 100 agree with that well hey i i want to wrap this up um we're closing on an hour and a half there's something i do want to share with everybody it's a, it's the video portion of the show this isn't going to translate necessarily very well for the podcast part but i think these are freaking hilarious and there's two different versions of it i want to show you um May, on social media, I think a lot of you guys have seen these reaction videos to the Bentley ASMR thing. Where, <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they got they they get some pretty girl in a tight dress to go around a Bentayga, and you know, just it's it's a lifestyle video. They're trying to portray the, an image for what the car is, and there's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fine, whatever. You know, it's it's kind of kind of dumb on some level, but. There's two different reaction videos to this I want to show you guys that I think are utterly hilarious. One was done by um, our men in uniform with a Humvee. And the other is <laughs> Lyle Barnett with Beer Money, the Fox Body, yes. Fox drag car. Um, <laughs> that's all the introduction I'm going to give you. I'm just going to hit play on these. They're funny as hell. Make sure you got the volume turned up. I do. All right, here we go. There's no sound. There's no sound. I you have failed. Gosh darn it. You know what? That's because I unplugged that shit earlier. That's what's screwing that up. Uh, well, damn it. Throw the link in the comments. Yeah, let's just do that. We'll do it that way. These are yeah. funny shit, though. That's, yeah. And that's I guarantee exactly you. Screwing up that audio. Damn. For those of you who don't know who Lyle Barnett is, that will be a very funny. <laughs> I haven't even seen it. I can guarantee you that will be a hysterically funny <laughs> video. And Lyle Barnett is somebody in the drag racing world 
that you should be paying attention to. He's got an amazing story, and he's kind of a badass. Oh, uh, he's more than kind of a badass. I will say that when 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 Jason and I, Jason Schultz and I interviewed him probably four or five years ago, it was the number one, it was the very best interview that we ever did on that show, in my opinion, on, on the Monday show. We had him come in and he talked about sponsorship and what it takes to get sponsors uh, to get sponsors. And he pretty much called out everybody who just, you know, every smaller time puller who doesn't under and some big time pullers who don't understand that sponsorship is a two way street. And I'm going to save all this for another show. There's, there's a yeah. there's another there's a long ass show about sponsorship and how it works and how yep. you play that game and how it's not how you just walk up to Mr. Local Businessman and say, hi, can I put my name on your tractor and can I charge you $5,000 for it? That's not how this works. And Lyle really, really nicely lays that out. And if I can ever find that freaking link, because I think we taped it and it's either on, it's either, somewhere on youtube or facebook or something if i can find it i will post it and i will absolutely flood every place that i possibly can with it because if you're looking for sponsorship for 2024 you need to sit down and listen to this with a pen and a paper and you need to take notes um also if you haven't seen red bull came out with a wicked cool scooter there's a Red Bull scooter. There's a Red Bull scooter. Is there it a weight is, limit on it? Uh, it's a carbon fiber chassis. I don't know what the weight limit is. Yes, there is, and I don't fit it. <laughs> it would be it. Would, it's so freaking cool. It's 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 wicked cool. And I was like, I'm just curious what it should cost. When I can't take a guess, what a uh, carbon fiber, uh, 7,500 watt power, uh, 20 mile top speed, 40 mile range, uh, carbon fiber. Uh, Red Bull RBS 01 chassis cost? Not a clue. No, I don't know what it costs. Do you? 6500 F that. <laughs> Tyler Slaw, if you're watching, put the link where you bought all of those damn scooters that you wrecked your hip with or your knee with or whatever it was. Put it in the comments. Ryan yeah. asking you shall receive. I've got it. I'm putting in in the comments for that show. You've got the link to the Lyle Barnett show. I do. Oh, MG. folks, you really need to. I'm serious. I'm 100% dead serious. You need to listen to this because Lyle goes through his story and his story in and of itself, if you don't know it, is pretty damn amazing. Um, the fact that he's alive and with us today is yeah. um, something amazing to begin with. Um, but then the real talk about sponsorship is even, I mean, for those of you who are looking to put names on the side of your ride and get some of your ride paid for, there's some seriously good advice there. Like, I will sit down and I will watch that show tonight. And I've actually never seen it, so I will go back and rewatch. It, it is a terrific, 
It is a terrific primer on how to get sponsored. It is a very good show. It, it is, I, I stand behind this comment that it is one of the very best interviews that we have ever done on the Beer Money Monday show. It's in there, Jeremy. All and Lyle right. pulls no punches. He, he tells it like it is. And that's why he's awesome. And he does a podcast called Shake and Bake with Stevie Fast. It is. And they might have interviewed Scotty Cannon this week. And it yeah. might have been an epic podcast. Hmm. All right. That's all I got for tonight. Um, thank you guys for joining tonight. Plan is right now, there, there will not be a show next week. A lot of travel going on for all of us. Uh, so we are going to skip next week, but uh, just pay attention. We'll be back uh, with episode 102 in two weeks' time. Hey, are you um, – I forgot to ask. Are you headed down on Thursday night for ODS? Yeah, I, yeah, I will be. I'll get down there late, 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 late. It'll be like, you know, pushing midnight by the time I get down there, but yes. And four. Okay. Because I'm planning on doing the same. Um, That's next weekend. Suppose right? we could, I suppose we could bullshit over some whiskey, you know, just for fun if we have any gas left in the tank when we get there. Fair enough. You know. And Cody could, but he's going to be flying drones over Walmarts. Yep. Pretty much. It happens. Bring back a uh, bring back a keg of uh, spotted cow when you come home from Wisconsin, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we actually talked about that at my office today. Somebody uh, somebody has put in a request where my office is moving. Uh, put in a request for me be. to bring back spotted cow. Yeah, no, we didn't. Ex- <laughs> we didn't specifically didn't mention tell everyone, <laughs> but I knew that you were going to fly w- WalMarts and Sam Clubs in you know Wisconsin. When in Wisconsin, you do what you need to do. And I know you got trunk space because you drive a big-ass truck. Uh, I'm driving a Blazer, actually, at the moment. Yep. We don't have a kegerator to put it in, and the new office isn't ready, so you're off the hook. But next year when you fly them, going to need one. Yeah. Maybe, unless I get there first. Yeah, uh, it's very unlikely I would make an appearance um, at Lions, but I would like to say that I might be able to, because that'd be fun. Listen to the suspense build, folks. <laughs> Hope you can make it, buddy. We had we had a blast driving down there, you know, last year. Yeah. The night before was even better. <laughs> that was rough. No, it wasn't. We got to see my wife after she'd had way too many. Well, yeah, it was. It was entertaining, and it was. Yeah. So my, my it doesn't wife, happen. Doesn't happen very often. So it was it really very, entertaining. It very rarely happens. But the night before uh, Jeremy's pull um, last year, my nephew Jacob got married. 
and so open bar at the wedding or at the reception and uh my wife might have kind of tied one on and and Kara came home and Cody had never mm-hmm. heard her slur words because Cody and I put this together kind of last minute. We decided, oh, what the hell? Let's go down there. And, and we left uh, at like 4.30 in the morning too. Right. That's why I was so saying it was Cody rough. drove up. Cody drove up from his his house, which is like two hours away from mine. And uh, I was at the wedding and I gave him the garage code and he got in and all that. And then I made him drive across town to deliver <laughs> one of my nephews his keys so he keys. could drive later. Um but we came home at like 11 and the plan was come home, go to bed um, and wake up at four and be on the road by four 30. And, uh, we got home and, um, Kara had had, she'd had a good night. She was having fun <laughs> and, uh, she was speaking in cursive and it was awesome. <laughs> we laughed about it all the way out there. Even the cats didn't even know what was going on. Let's just say that she's she renamed the cats that night, and I wish I could remember what she renamed them, but she named them I know, and she doesn't remember either. And Ryan's like, What did you just call her? And she's like, Such and such. She's like, No, that's not what you called her. You called her something else. She's like, Well, I renamed it. <laughs> like, remember that now. She's like, I'm Your child, have- your your child, and you just <laughs> renamed it, and it's like at its teenager stage, and you just decide, hey, we're having a name change. So that was a was, fun night. It was that good. was a fun night. Being being sleep deprived and and added down to Jeremy's park to uh, you know shoot the uh, Adam Kincaid, Adam or and uh, Jason Wayman uh, showdown was a lot of fun. Yeah. No, Jeremy. So, none of us are going to make it to Georgetown. It's unfortunately. It's for me to get down there is like six hours and I can't, you know, it's already like the first two nights are already done. Yeah, it ain't going to happen. Well, actually, well, it's next week, but the, the first two nights will be done before I can even leave. And then, you know, Thursday's travel time. I wouldn't make it there in time for Thursday. And then I got to be back over in Indiana for Friday. It's just not going to happen. So basically, Jeremy, what we're telling you is it's on you to provide media coverage. Yeah. <laughs> we're all counting on you. <laughs> all right, guys. That's it for me. I'm going to stick a fork in this one. Yep. I agree. Let's call it. We'll see you somewhere in time, and uh, the show will, will return in two weeks' time, guaranteed. Hopefully with in two weeks. In two weeks, we're going to have one hell of a great guest. That's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say. Cannot, Nick. I have to be at a pool all day Saturday with my son. He's a sled operator. I'm the announcer. Not going to happen. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Don't be a stranger. All right. Let her off. See you. See you, guys. See you